Welcome back, everybody. It's the Betting Pros College Football Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined by Thor Nystrom. Follow him on the Twitter at ThorKU. Had another fantastic, amazing, great week of college football last week with Texas beating down Oklahoma 49-0. I know that is what everyone was watching. No other important games, right? That was the only one in my heart anyway, Thor. So I loved college football last week, even though I was 5-5. Five and five. You know, so just sitting at 500 on my article uh, coming off that eight and two week, I knew the other shoe was going to drop uh, eventually. So but I haven't finished under 500 yet this year. Knock on wood, of course. But uh, Thor, how was your weekend? And are you ready for and I can't believe I'm saying this week seven already here. Yeah, weekend was great. Um, suffered the first loss for for Kansas of the season. So that was that was kind of tough. And uh, my other alma mater, Iowa, was about the ugliest game I'd I'd ever seen. <laughs> um, although they, they've had like three other games that were exactly the same this yeah. year. So <laughs> I, I but yeah, we, we will soldier through with them. Um, and and my my betting weekend was sort of the opposite. I, I always start slow. I, I don't know what it is. I you know, some some year I'm either gonna decide to stop betting in September or I'm gonna I'm gonna have to modulate something, but I always <laughs> I always pick it up and Last week, I had by far my best week of, of the year. Um, so usually I have one of those vengeance weeks and then um, everything's, you know, upward from there. Um, and I, I hope that's what happens this year as well. You figure out more stuff as the season goes on. Right. And I think that's kind of um, what part of it is, is, you know, you, you start to see more stuff. The trends become a little more clear, but then you also have injuries. So I don't know. Uh, I, I never found a best time of year to bet. I just say week one. And the final week of the season, regular season anyway, those are always the hardest, uh, um, you know, in pretty much any sport. Uh, because week one, it's like, how much different are these teams? And the last week is, who cares and who doesn't, you know? Um, For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just effort level at that point. But we have, uh, sitting in the middle here in week seven, we have some great games. And let's start out with these Thursday and Friday night matchups here, Thor. The first one we have on Thursday, UCF is a 23 and a half point favorite at home against Temple. The number is 46. Uh, WVU versus Baylor is, uh, you know, Baylor is a three and a half point road favorite and 54 and a half is the total on that one. So uh, for these Thursday uh, games, you have a, a lean either way. Yes, my my lean in UCF Temple, I, I guess I would have would have two of them. My leans would be uh, Temple and the under. Um, Temple, their their offense remains awful as always, but yeah. their defense has gotten good. Um, and not only that, specifically their run defense. Temple's run defense is actually legit now. It is legitimately good. Um, and as we know, UCF, their best thing is their rushing offense. And when you can take that away, they start to have real problems when, when they have to throw. You know, like, for instance, go back to the Louisville game. When, when John Reese Plumley had to throw 30 times, uh, the, the UCF offense, the wheels came off the thing. Um, now, in this game, I don't think it's going to get that bad for UCF where they have to throw Plumley that many times because Temple almost assuredly will not be able to, to score enough to put uh, the, the game result in jeopardy. But they're, you know, uh, Temple is going to be able to take away what UCF what they want to do to, to, to the degree enough. I think that that makes this inflated spread too much a bridge too far so i i would want to take the points with temple and for almost the exact same reason i want the under uh, uh ucf they, they have a, a pretty solid defense this year as well they can stop the run as well 
Um, Temple's going to have to throw here in order to score. We'll see if 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 they can. Uh, jury will be out on that. But I like I said, I, I, I Temple is going to be able to suppress the running of UCF, which might incentivize UCF to try to throw more, which is always in the favor of the opponent because John Reese Plumley can't throw. And, yeah, and just yeah. looking at like PFF grades here, Thor, uh, offensively, UCF 49th. So, you know, above average team, but not the UCF that we have seen uh, in their recent history. Temple ninth in grade on PFF in terms of their defense. So obviously the numbers are adding up to towards what you're saying as well here, according to them. Uh, do you have a good lean in WVU versus Baylor? Or is that a stay away for you? For me, that's a stay away because uh, WVU is, is in general a fade team for me. Um, but Baylor, they've been disappointing and it's, Seems like it's a, a, an experiential thing at this point. It's, it's such a young team. You know, they, they're they breaking in a new starting quarterback, and, and it's what they chose. You know, they didn't want Jerry Bohannon anymore. They probably made the right decision if you watched Jerry Bohannon at South Florida. But Shapin, he hasn't had the start that you would have hoped. And then at a lot of these other positions, they're just as young. Um, and so I, I do think Baylor will eventually get there, but it's been kind of slow going stop start you know th that sort of a thing this is a very hard environment for them for Baylor to be walking into it it's a tough spot Thursday night heading into Huntington um, I definitely like Baylor more as a team but with the spot that that it's in and the home field advantage that West Virginia has to me the line is fair like my, my adjusted line on this game is Baylor minus 2.3 the live line is Baylor minus 2.5 I, I just th there's nothing for me there it's a stay away uh, yeah, uh, interesting game there, but you know, maybe a watch and don't bet on that one on Friday. I know there's a game here that we both like. We have SMU minus 12 and a half versus Navy, uh, 57 is total on that, but you and I both like FIU, uh, or excuse me, UTSA at FIU. Um, this game, UTSA is 33 point favorites, uh, 33 and a half in some places. I think it's going to open up 63 and a half is the total here. Um, I wrote up in my article, I love UTSA. I'll lay the points. It's fun to pick on bad teams when you're betting. And FIU is a horrid team. Uh, now, and I think UTSA is sixth in pace of play too. They are going to pace this game. They're going to be offense on offense a lot. And we've already seen FIU give up a lopsided game at home this year um, against Western Kentucky and UTSA just beat Western Kentucky. So, of course, you know, the transitive properties that never fail us ever in college football, right? UTSA is already better than Western Kentucky. They, they should beat FIU by more than 73 nothing. Of course, that never works. Uh, FIU is a different team now than they were a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe better at quarterback. They did have a win against New Mexico or excuse, New Mexico State uh, a couple weeks ago as well. So, you know, FIU is better, but they're still very bad. So, um, you know, this game is on Friday. It's one less day to prep for both these teams, which I think would also favor UTSA here, Thor. So, I mean, I am all aboard the Roadrunners bandwagon. So I will lay all them points and take UTSA. What do you think about either one of these games? But I know you like UTSA too. Yeah, you, in, in that one, you um, the books almost can't 
uh, make UTSA a high enough favorite. <laughs> yeah, they can't yeah. make it ugly enough for me to not want to take it. Right. Yeah, I mean the 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 line open. It was like I think it was like twenty seven and a half, and it just extremely quickly Hello. got fed up, like um, almost by a touchdown. Right. Like, and I I think it's it, it is even still climbing, and that is perfectly justifiable here. Uh, FIU, they're not only a, 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 a you know objectively horrid team. If you put them in the FCS, I don't think they would finish over 500. They barely beat Bryant in the opener. Uh, they beat him by one point. Was that game in overtime too? Um, no, 38-37, but I don't think it was, was to overtime. Or did they yeah. go for two at the end? It was it was that, something. It was something. Very I weird mean, Bryant isn't good either in the FCS level. They're like no. two and four. Yeah, so they're exactly. not a good then, team anywhere. And, and like you said, the, their uh, FIU's only other win was against New Mexico State, who's one of the, the five worst teams in, in the nation. And last week, FIU hosted UConn and lost by 21 points. Uh, yeah, that was so, so FIU's really bad. I, 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 you know, and, and another thing to consider here, and this one is really, really important. FIU, they're the only player on that roster that I consider legitimate. It's their outside receiver, Chambers. Um, that kid is considered questionable for this game. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, Tyrese Chambers, probably a guy that's going to get a long look from the NFL. I don't know if there is one other singular player on that roster that you can say that about. If Tyrese Chambers is not playing in that game, I, I don't even know what – it's not just that they won't be able to move the ball. I don't know what they do with the ball. It's 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 one of the like he is the identity of, of the offense. It's it's the one the one guy that they trot out that scares people. So um, I mean, it's not just that it's a mismatch, and it's not just that, that recent history would suggest UTSA. It's also that FIU has one gun to bring to this fight, and that gun is is not going to be discharging. Um, really unfortunate. And 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 like you said, Bogman. The, the teams that FIU has played, it's, you know, the, the only one where they, you know, they, they won the game against New Mexico and then New Mexico State and then, and then Bryant, but they they, they got uh, annihilated by uh, Texas State by almost 30 points. Texas yeah. State is also one of the worst teams in the SES. And then, they, like I said, they got annihilated by UConn. The only time that, that FIU has played a team that is above 89th SP+, was Western Kentucky. And Western Kentucky is no great shakes. You know, this year they're, uh, number 70th SP plus, which isn't even average, right? Which is not even the, the median moder- watermark. They lost that game 73 to nothing. What what can Western Kentucky do really well? They passed the ball. This UTSA team, the, what what fell off about it was, was sincere McCormick left, so it was the run game, and then their defense got worse, but the passing game has gotten way better because uh, everybody came back, right? Like Frank Harris came back and is better, and then the three receivers came back, and all of those guys are going to the NFL and they're all really, really good. So, so they go three wide and they could dominate all of it. And against FIU, they, they are going to do whatever they want. Um, this one is lay the points or stay away. Yeah, I uh, completely agree with you on that game. That's an ugly one. Uh, let's go over and talk about the games with 95% or more of the cash laid on one side. We have six of them this week, and they are all spreads, no totals, which is a little surprising, just a strange uh, happenstance here. We start with Toledo minus nine versus Kent State. This is a 99% cash and 97% ticket store. So uh, everyone right now, you know, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Everyone is on Toledo and laying the nine. So obviously this number is probably going to get 
bigger by the time you're listening to this. But I don't know if that matters. Does it matter, Thor? Are you just all over Toledo here? I like Toledo too. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess I'll be a square as well. Um, I will say last week, um, and for people that you know listen to all of our shows, they'll they'll know that I'm telling the truth here. Um, I, I think I was talking about this with Thomas for sure, and, and maybe Bogman with you as well, maybe on last week's show. The sharps were on Kent State last week too, to the degree where I was like, like, like usually I can at least explain it to myself. Last week was really weird when when Kent State was they were playing Miami, they traveled to Miami of Ohio. It, it it got so skewed from what my number was that I was starting to look into the Miami of Ohio roster like, do they have a bunch of injuries that I'm not aware of, or <laughs> is something going on here? And I just couldn't, I, I could not figure out what was going on, but my numbers were screaming at me that Miami of Ohio was gonna win the game outright. And the Sharps pushed that game all the way to Kent State minus six on the road. Well, Miami of Ohio won the game outright. Um, in, in this one, my numbers like Toledo by double digits. They love Toledo in this game. Um, it, it looks like the Sharps once again like Kent State. Uh, I, I definitely lean Toledo in that one for sure. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one, but I'm with you. I'm on Toledo here. Uh WKU is laying eight against uh on the road against Middle Tennessee, but this is another one where it's not just the cash, it's the tickets too, both on the side of WKU very favorably. Um, what do you think about this game? I mean, Middle Tennessee is they've shown up, they obviously beat Miami. We talked about this a little bit in our stages that we do before this door feels a little fluky. Hey, look, they won the game. Congratulations. But um, I just don't know if that's very believable. And, and you made the point uh, many times about, hey, look, this was a terrible match for Miami. And this is, you know, if we're you're going down and you're looking for one team to match up against Miami, it was probably Middle Tennessee and it ended up working for him. So I don't know. I just I I trust WKU more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and Middle Tennessee, uh, we, we talked about this on, on the stages that we did, uh, which we do every Wednesday night. If people want to tune in and ask us a question live, um, Middle Tennessee is a very matchup specific team, right? They, they, they recruit small, shifty players because they, they, they don't have access to like the elite recruits. They, they just look for the system fits and they run the, they run the air raid. So they have this noodle arm quarterback who can get the ball out. You, you hope you can hit the receivers on the hands and then they can make a guy or two miss. Um, and you can maybe manufacture explosive plays in that way. Um, t- teams that don't tackle very well in the secondary and don't cover very well, that they seed separation are the teams that struggle with uh, Middle Tennessee, a uh, team like Miami, for instance. Um, and, and, and then on what you want to do against, uh, middle Tennessee, Tennessee, um, you know, and then, and then on the, the, uh, you know, defensive side or whatever, um, they, 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 they struggle as well. So with, with, uh, Western Kentucky, the, the matchup going the other way, Western Kentucky is equipped to stop the passing game in a way that middle Tennessee's defense is not, you, you can pick on middle Tennessee secondary. Uh, it's not very good. It's just that Tyler Van Dyke couldn't do it in that game. Apparently, North Carolina secondary is better than, than Middle Tennessee's. Western Kentucky <laughs> secondary. Western Kentucky secondary happens to be good. Um, Western Kentucky run defense not quite as good, but their secondary is good, um, and and it's deep, uh, right? So so they can they can actually contend with the spread offenses, you know, g- going across the formation where Middle Tennessee runs out of bodies. So both teams have very very similar offensive strategies, and on the surface they might look similar. Uh, and it might look like sort of similar resumes and stuff like that. And so you might be surprised that the road team 
is laying eight here. But um, I, I actually think the Western Kentucky uh, matches up way better, mostly because of the viability of their secondary in this game. If they're able to keep that Middle Tennessee uh, passing game uh, off schedule, I know that they're going to be able to take away the explosive plays Western Kentucky through the air that Middle Tennessee wants to do. Um, I, I think that they can uh, really hinder what Middle Tennessee wants to do on offense. I, I would lean Western Kentucky in that game. I'm with you on that one. Uh, the, the next, the, there's four here. I think I have a good lean on maybe one of them, uh, but Wisconsin is a seven and a half point favorite at Michigan State. The cash is well on their side. Cash also on San Jose State, playing eight and a half. UConn getting nine and a half at Ball State is getting a lot of love. And then Southern Miss laying four and a half at Arkansas State. Uh, so these last four here, Thor, do you have a good lean on Wisconsin, San Jose State, UConn, or Southern Miss? Um, the the Wisconsin-Michigan State game, I, I, I definitely investigated. Um, I, I uh, Wisconsin was one of my hits last weekend. I was expecting, you know, the dead cap bounce or whatever off of the Paul Chris firing, and, and we got that. Um, this week, I was, you know, sort of provisionally hoping that I could talk myself into Michigan State because – at some point, you expect Michigan State to show just a modicum of pride and pick itself up off the mat. And this would be a really good spot to do it because you, you get this team coming off of what what for that. You know, it wasn't a good opponent that Wisconsin beat last week, but it was an, an exhilarating win. Nonetheless, coming off the week that they had just had you win in, in Leonard's debut. And now you, you go on the road in, in what's sort of a sleepy spot, because uh, with Wisconsin, certainly like the rest of us has seen everybody just wiped the floor with Michigan state, any, you know, uh, decent opponent this year. Um, and so, you know, it's like, well, can, can I, can I justify, uh, you know, a, a bet on the idea that Michigan state could ambush them here? It it's hard to though. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it's just really hard. Um, Michigan state, their, their worst thing, th th this was sort of along my lines of, of thinking of trying to talk myself into Michigan state is uh, Michigan state. Th they have this absolutely abysmal uh, pass defense their their run defense is is a little bit better and so you're like well you know i mean like you know graham mertz every time he plays a, a decent pass defense he stinks so like you know and and maybe they can they can somewhat hold down wisconsin's run game but then like you're starting to stretch it already and i also i, I i'm not gonna back wisconsin in, in two straight weeks on the road <laughs> you, you know what i mean like you know yeah. to, to, to cover big numbers yeah. so i for me, that, that one's a stay away. The, the next one, San Jose State against Fresno State. Um, I forbid anyone from listening uh, to this show from betting on Fresno until Jay Hayner <laughs> comes back. That team, that program is a mess uh, right now. And it's, it's not just Hayner that's hurt. They have several key contributors that are hurt, but... Um, it was like the second that Hayner, you know, that he was, he was out. Like it's, they it removed all magic. San Jose state also four and one against the spread this year. San they've, been they've been great. They, yeah. yeah they, they, they've been great. I, last week I, I put the thing out about how they were San Jose state was plus 600 at some books, plus 650 at others to win the mountain West. Um, it, and they, all they had to do was beat UNLV and they basically didn't play any tough opponents the rest of the year. Uh, they, they blew out UNLV. Now they get uh, Fresno state without Hayner and then their next several opponents all absolutely stink. So San Jose state is going to be waltzing at least into the conference title game where they're either going to play a down Boise state or a down air force. Um, I shouldn't be patting my back about that. Cause it's not relevant to anyone out there. <laughs> the, the, the odds are different. So for, for, forgive me for the navel gazing right there, but um, it, that one is San Jose State or pass. Um, and you probably want, before you make a decision, you probably want to monitor 
just one billion percent confirm that Hayner is out. It's it's looking like that. But, you know, whenever you're listening to this, just confirm that. And then um, some of the other uh, Fresno State guys, just check on their status. But um, I, I either way, I, you know, again, until Hayner comes back, not betting on on them. Um, the the Yukon Ball State uh that that's one that i'm i'm probably not going to end up uh touching yukon has been able to take advantage of some circumstances in getting to i think they're 3 and 4 now um and circumstances might get them to 5 and 7 where they really just need to upset one team yeah. to become bowl eligible which is hilarious this could be the game like if i mean if they do um cuz they're going to play two other games this year where i believe that they're going to be it, either favored or else it's going to be very, very close. Um, but I'm not sure that this is the matchup for them. One thing to keep in mind about UConn, even though they, they've caught it right two weeks, speaking of Fresno State, two weeks yeah. ago, they, they, they caught Fresno State the first game that Hayner was out. So, I mean, congratulations. You, you, at that point, you're basically playing an FCS <laughs> team. And then last week, they was was it FIU that they – that they Yeah. Yeah, our, our, our favorite FIU team. Um, Ball State is, is certainly a better team, and now UConn has to go on the road. The other thing I'll say about UConn is – they, they have a whole bunch of injuries themselves. You know, they, I mean, they start off the season by losing their own starting quarterback. Um, and then they've lost a whole bunch of other guys. Their running back room is particularly bad. Um, they, a, a couple of weeks ago, it was so bad with injuries. Jim Mora actually was batting around the idea of shifting a 300 pounder to running back. This kid who would play running back. <laughs> yeah. I remember his quotes were like, Hey, he looks, uh, he looks nimble out there. Yeah. He can break a tackle. Like he was legit thinking about it. I, I, I like, I think a little of that was tongue in cheek, but I hey, if it gets that bad, who cares? I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was because they had like four running back injuries at the time. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Bugman, I will never ever root for a kid to get injured. But knowing that UConn was probably one running back injury away from shifting the three hundred pounder back there, <laughs> I'll just, the way that I'll put it is, I wouldn't have been sad if that had happened. Like if you just like, you get cramps, you know, it cramps yeah. up or something, you yeah, know, nothing something. major. Yeah, Let's no. just be the big guy. That's very all short. Are. Just one game. I wanted to see that that. Three 300 pounder rumbling for, for Jimmy Mora Jr. Um, but, but that game for me, I, I don't think I can back UConn in that spot. You know, I mean, coming off the, the two wins, they're clearly playing. I mean, I, I'm not going to say above their head because they, the, the opponents were what they were, but the, the injuries, et cetera. So for me, that, that, that's a stay away. Um, and then the, the Southern Miss uh, Arkansas State game, for me, the angle on that, it's not the side, it's the under. Um, and the reason for that is, both the defenses are extremely active um, in terms of piling up TFLs, sacks, uh, tip balls, interceptions, that that sort of stuff. And the offensive lines are not very good. Um, Southern Miss, it, it, you know, and a part of it too, playing into it. Southern Miss have been playing this this freshman quarterback because they had an injury before, and then the coaching staff early on, uh, Willicky or whatever the kid, Zach Willicky or something like that. They, yeah. they decide, they essentially just decide to hitch their wagons to him regardless. Um, cause I, I think they view him as the future of the program. So they're going to take their lumps with that kid, however it goes this year. Um, but like you have him playing behind what's not a very good offensive line. Um, but the, so, so Southern Miss's offense hasn't been that good this year, but Southern Miss's defense is, and it's a habit creating defense. It gets after the quarterback. Like I said, it's ball hawking as well. They harassed they, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, another team. Yeah. They, they didn't, they didn't put up a great fight in that game. They couldn't score on offense, as you mentioned, but uh, they made it interesting for a half for sure. There's a lot Miami. of sports betters out there that would love to harass Tyler Van Dyke after. Some yes. Of the, <laughs> the, 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 the burn tickets. Although I, I can't, uh, 
criticize Mr. Van Dyke because I actually needed to start him in my 50 team college fantasy football uh, <laughs> league last week because because I have Bryce Young and he got injured and then I didn't know you know like leading up to kickoff Nick Saban was yeah. doing all, all the things and Van Dyke is my only other quarterback so I rolled the dice with and wasn't really rolling the dice because you get to play North Carolina uh, who gives up a billion yards to everybody but um, anyway shout out to Tyler Van Dyke um, for me the, the Southern Miss Arkansas State I'm, I'm going under for that reason neither of those teams can keep opposing defensive lines out of the backfield um, so the, the, I mean there's going to be a ridiculous amount of sacks a ridiculous amount of TFL um, both the offenses are going to have a really hard time getting going. They're they're going to find themselves in a lot of like second and sixteens and stuff like that. The under has a really good shot of getting there unless we have multiple pick sixes and or fumble returns. Which you know I'm I'm just going to knock on wood right now because <laughs> with the way that the offensive play against the way that the defense play, you know it's, it it certainly is a possibility. But barring stuff like that, I I would t- I would like the under in that, and my system does too as well. I should say. All right, let's go to the big five top games of the week. And this was kind of hard to narrow down, but the top two are extremely obvious. Probably the top three are extremely obvious. But uh, number three, Alabama, who did slip, um, are they are hosting number six, Tennessee. The line here is seven and a half for Alabama. The total is 65. And um, look, obviously, as you mentioned before, the health of Bryce Young is at the forefront of where we're going in this game. So uh, how do you see this playing with or without Bryce Young? Yeah, uh, Bryce Young thing is 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 enormous. I mean, it, it's it's for multiple reasons. It's not just like Bryce Young uh, in a vacuum, worth probably about 10, 11 points on the spread just in and of itself. And, and my line on this game, if, if it's a fully healthy uh, Bryce, fully healthy, if a fully healthy Bryce Young was playing, um, I, I would have Alabama minus eight and a half. But even if Bryce Young is playing, he's not going to be fully healthy, and he definitely might not play. And if he doesn't play, and if Tennessee gets back Cedric Tillman, which is the way that it's looking now, Tennessee's wide receiver number one, if Young's not playing but Tillman is, I would I would actually favor Tennessee in this game. And the books aren't going to, but me personally, I I, I would favor them. But we do again, we don't at this time we're recording on Wednesday night. We don't know Bryce Young's status quite yet. Um, but if if Bryce Young doesn't play, it it not only is you're losing the in a in a vacuum qualitative value, it also enormously plays into the hands of Tennessee's defense because uh Milrow, he he's a raw passer, but he's a really, really good runner. The Tennessee defense is awesome defending the run where it really struggles is against the pass. And so if, I mean, if Saban could get uh, Bryce Young out there by hook or by crook, uh, I, I think he's going to try to do it. But we'll see if that's even possible because Bryce Young has a, is a strained AC joint of his throwing shoulder. Uh, Quinn Ewers missed, what was it, three weeks with the AC sprain of his non-throwing shoulder. Right. Right? Like, um, I, I mean, people can be optimistic. There, and certainly Alabama's going to tell us, like, oh, yeah, Bryce, you know, like. Sure, you know, sure. S- seven days after he got the injury, you know, leading up to the Alabama game on, on the PA system. Oh, Bryce Young starting for us. And I'm like, I, okay. Like, that, that would be a medical miracle. But, okay. Um, <laughs> th- this game, we'll see. Um, you know, I mean, there are um, certainly shots that you can give. Uh, you know, that, that uh, Drew Brees was talking about that that you can try to try to help the kid get out there but i mean especially with it being the throwing shoulder this is very early on the uh, on the timeline and so if you you know even having a depreciated bryce young you are less viable in attacking tennessee's greatest weakness the other thing of course alabama's offensive line is down alabama's receiving core is way down 
So, so if you have like a, you know, 83% Bryce Young, are they going to be able to take advantage of, of Tennessee's weakness to the, you know, the other otherwise degree that you would? We'll see about that. Um, and then Tennessee's offense, I know they're going to move the ball in Alabama's defense. They're going to move the ball in any defense they play all season. I mean, regardless of whether Tillman plays or not, but if Tillman comes back, they're going to be even nastier. Tennessee is top 10 in the nation in both rushing uh, uh, rushing success rate and passing success rate. I also happen to think that they are the plays are being called by the best play caller in college football, Josh Heupel, a guy who was criminally underrated his entire career, now is finally starting to get his due respect. I don't think he's going to quite get it in, in, in lesser until he – you know, wins this game and, 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 you know, goes on and has a, a great season this year might finally start to get his due, but it's, it's been just criminally underrated throughout his career. They can be multiple and they're always calling the correct play. So it's like, it's like a pitcher who has like four elite pitches and has awesome control and the sequencing of his pitches are impeccable. So you have absolutely right. no idea what's coming. It's always filthy and he can put it wherever he wants. That That's Tennessee's offense. And now they're getting their wide receiver one back. And meanwhile, by the way, Tillman missed the last couple of weeks. Uh, they won those games, which is great. But also it gave the opportunity for Brew McCoy, former five-star Ballyhood number one receiver in his class, to step up into the wide receiver one role. And he finally started to show the Brew McCoy that we were promised by, by the recruiting analyst. Both games he went over 100 yards, looked like a beast. If we get that Brew McCoy next to 100% Cedric Tillman, and the Hennon Hooker that now, I mean, like people I respect greatly in this, like uh, Jordan Reed was, was talking about Hennon Hooker as, um, a, a, you know, a day two type pick or a, a top uh, 50, 60 type pick kind of guy. Um, you you get all that stuff going. I, again, very, very scary uh, for, for Tennessee. So, you know, as far as where this spread is, where we're talking right now, this moment in time, there's the, the um, we don't know yet exactly what the status is with Young and, and with Tillman. But I'm taking the seven and a half points for sure. If 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 Bryce Young plays, I I still like Tennessee plus the seven and a half. I'll be way less confident because I don't know exactly the percentage that Bryce Young will be. But if Bryce Young doesn't play, it, it is this is a smash of ten, this is a smash Tennessee spot because Alabama categorically will not be able to take advantage of of Tennessee's defensive weakness, and they will be they will only have the recourse to go into Tennessee's defensive strength which is going to be a problem for him. Yeah. I mean, um, it's going to be a fun one. That's for sure. But Alabama does, you know, I, I, I keep saying this and people, people take it the wrong way. I, this is the most beatable Bama team that we've seen for a while. doesn't mean that they're actually going to get beat, but they are beatable. I, I think the last couple of years, they just were not in that category of a very beatable team. Uh, unless, you know, Georgia could beat them, you know, maybe a top two team could have beat them. But um, they're gettable this year, more gettable than they have been in the past. Uh, number five, Michigan is six and a half point home favorites against number 10, Penn State. 51 and a half is the over in this game. Thor, you have a good lean one way or the other on Michigan, Penn State? I, I lean Michigan. Um, I, I There's a lot of smart people out there I, that are very clearly leaning Penn State because that line was was sticking right at seven. And then it, it now it's toggled down apparently to six and a half. Um, I, that's fine. Um, I, I'm going to make Penn State prove me wrong. And if they do, great. They, the book's going to have my money. But um, I, I haven't seen much from Penn State to like, you know, crazy change my opinion from recent years that the, the running game is, you know, marginally better. The offensive line is marginally better. But like the, the whole thing of it, 
like it, it's not like this team is like raised several levels. It, to me, it still feels like it's in the same phylum. You still have the quarterback that's, str- I mean, not that he struggles to throw downfield. He categorically can. He has a wet noodle arm that this scrambler and in, in, in Sean Clifford and they don't have Dotson anymore. You, you don't have like the singular receiving talent anymore. So the rece- the running game has gotten a bit better. I, I think the passing game is a little bit down. You're, you're still sort of around the same spot. I, I, I don't think the Michigan's defense is going to have any problem with that. And meanwhile, the Michigan offense, I, I'm more uh, like if I'm an opponent, I'm more afraid of that offense now than even last year when, you know, when they were a really, really good team. Because whereas that team had Cade McNamara that who, you know, you know, shouldn't have been starting for a playoff contender. <laughs> now you have a, a legitimate quarterback that scares people and J.J. McCarthy. You can hurt people through the air and with his legs. Um, I, I, you know, again, dominant defense for Michigan that the offense can do more things. Play Corm's running really well. I'll lay the seven points here. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know, it, it's this, the, the, the hard thing about this handicap is we haven't seen either of these two teams really play anyone yet. So, yeah. so th- that's the part of it where you sort of have to step out into the unknown and you have to trust your conviction of what you've seen against these teams playing like lesser opponents. But my conviction would be on the Michigan side. Yeah. I'm with you on that too. I want to take Michigan and, and, you know, uh, I, I told you this before. I think I end up with another seven and three week of my cart. You know, uh, my cart obviously went down with a seizure early in that game from Michigan. And you could just see the kids uh, reacting towards it. And they were uh, upset. They got it. They started rolling the second half. I think if that game is two minutes longer, I probably get not only the Michigan cover, but the other uh, the, the, the over. But also on the Ole Miss side, we were talking about this uh, in the stream, too. I barely got just because Ole Miss wanted to go for more points at the end. Only reason I got them laying the points last week, too. So, hey, look, you know, you get these by inches. You don't get them by inches. It's just the way it is when you're gambling. That's well, just the way Well, Bogman, is. you know what they said in the Mighty Ducks. If it had gone half an inch the other way, Charlie, yeah, it wouldn't even right. be a question. Never even thought of it that way. Yeah. Right. I remember that line. Uh, number 13, TCU, four-point favorites at home against number eight, OK State. Uh, this total is 68 and a half. We obviously saw TCU's offense come alive last week against Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State has been great all year with Spencer Sanders. Do you have a good lean one way or the other in this Big 12 matchup? Yeah, I, I actually did. I, I lean TCU. I actually did not know that that number had toggled up to, to four when I was looking into this earlier in the afternoon. It was, it was three and a half. I, I, I don't disagree with the line movement. Um, I think TCU matches up pretty just well. Just on betting pros, just so you know, it's four everywhere now like oh, wow. uh, yeah. six and I, a half, I don't disagree with that so six and a half moment. was the only you can only get that one from michigan uh minus six and a half on FanDuel, but it looks like four everywhere here according to betting pros so okay yeah um yeah the tcu i think well i just think they're the objectively better team and some of oklahoma state stuff this year that they've done is a little bit fool's goldy to me whereas everything that tcu is doing to me feels legitimate um, I and I think that Oklahoma State is going to have problems defending some of the stuff that TCU does. TCU can be multiple in a way that Oklahoma State can't. And Oklahoma State's defense—that's th- the problem for them this year. Is last year they had the dominant defense. The defense has fallen way off because they lost all those guys to the NFL. They lost Jim Knowles, et cetera. And and t- and to their credit, to this point, and and they've defied my expectations. I didn't think Oklahoma State would be nearly as good. So so. You know, that's, um, you know, uh, me a call on that one to the Oklahoma State folks. The offense has gotten a little bit or it's gotten better to to sort of mitigate some of that. But the the, the defense is down and it gives up explosive plays. I, I, I think TCU is going to generate several of those in this game. And I think if if that is indeed the case, 
it's going to be very, very hard for an offense that where the majority of the usage is being uh, uh, centered on Spencer Sanders for an offense like that to keep pace, right? Like in a game that becomes a shootout, I, I think that is the nightmare scenario for Mike Gundy and Oklahoma State. You have to have Spencer Sanders put on the hero cape. Th that's when Spencer Sanders turns into the what did I call him in a pack? Like the fembot Spencer Sanders where like his head starts going and you know, like the smoke starts coming out of his ear. And that, that's where you see the three interception game. Um, when Oklahoma state's ahead and you know, it's, it's, it, you know, all within their, their volition and, and they can control things. That's when he plays well, but yeah, when, when the looks get different and when, when you got to press him and you're pushing the tempo and, and yada, yada, you're trying to come from behind, you got to push the ball downfield more, you become more predictable that's when he starts making the, the mistakes. So th this is a game that could get away from them. And if it does, um, it wouldn't surprise me if TCU wins by double digits. Yeah. Uh, going to be a, a fun game there for sure. Uh, those always, uh, those always seem to be fun. Those big, big 12 matchups. Uh, number 20, Utah, three and a half point home favorites against number seven, USC 65 is the total here. Um, what way are you leaning in this game, Thor? This line surprised me a little bit. I know Jordan Addison is a little bit nicked up, isn't he? So uh, how do we feel in this game? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get a definitive uh, picture on Addison's status. But yeah, he he got knocked out of the last game and he's obviously enormous to, to USC. I, I think another big part of this, this handicap is USC's defense has way exceeded everybody's expectations in large part because they've been able to generate a ridiculous amount of turnovers um, almost by any, any measure uh, an unsustainable amount of turnovers. You were wondering when they, they played a team that could take care of the ball and could be efficient on offense, you know, what would happen to that defense? Cause it seems house of cardsy, you know, you, you think maybe <laughs> if, if, if an offense can take care of the ball and, and, and could just stay on schedule, the whole thing falls down. Well, that's what Utah is. Right. Like, I mean, Utah seems can, you know, like they were built to to be able to, you know, like in response to this USC team, even though the USC team came along later. But like the um, I, I really like the matchup of Utah's offense against that USC defense. What Utah's offense does not do, the weakness of it is they cannot generate explosive plays. And in certain games, that is going to be an enormous problem. And we've already seen this manifest in a couple of them, right? Like they, they've already taken their, their couple losses in part because of this, but I don't think they need to do that to beat USC. What they need to do to beat USC is play good defense, but then on offense, take care of the ball and stay on schedule. I know that they're going to do that on, on offense, right? Like, they, I mean, they, they just will. Yeah. Um, they're not going to allow USC to flip the field and then put Caleb Williams in a really good field position and then put points on the, on the board that way. They're going to make USC's offense. Okay, you want to score a touchdown, you got to go 80 yards. You got to go 75 yards, and you got to methodically do it against our defense, a really solid defense. Um, you know, and, and Utah's Utah's offense, um, I think it probably is better than people think. It's, it's number 10 SP+. Plus. Um, USC, by the way, is 50th SP+. Plus. Again, it's been playing above its head because of the turnovers. I think that those go away in this game. USC also has a really, really bad special teams, and Utah plays – Awesome special teams. It's a discrepancy in the SP plus rankings of almost a hundred. Uh, Utah's 23rd uh, USC is 120th. So that's another area of the game, a, a sort of a sneaky part where I think Utah could maybe steal some points. I actually like Utah in this game. I, I think Utah is going to win and, and I, I like them to cover as well. 
uh, tough place to play too. Utah, very going, tough place to play. To Utah, very. Uh, the crowd is into it. They're going to make it difficult uh, for sure. Um, the last one in the top five. Uh, let's go to the ACC number fifteen, NC State, uh, hosting number eighteen, Syracuse. Syracuse is a three and a half point favorite here on the road. 44 is the total. Um, I know there's a question about Devin Leary. If he's going to be available in this game at QB for NC state, uh, Syracuse has been killing it too. So uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I, I think Leary's out of there. Um, I, I don't think he's going to play from all the indications that we've got. Um, Dave Doran did say on Monday that Leary's injury is not season ending. But the sort of he, he didn't rule him out for this weekend, but the strong insinuation was that yeah. he was not going to play. I would be stunned if Devin Leary takes even one snap. So so I, I think you can bet, assuming that Devin Leary is going to be out. The, if there was good news for NC State, it's that they had two other uh, um, uh, very important injuries to, to key contributors in their last game. And Doran was was way more optimistic about about those guys. Um, they're the running back. And their wide receiver too. The, the running back Demi Sumo um, Kong Bay. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have even tried. And then the receiver I, Devin. Devin I love Carter. to hear those Minnesota guys try to say those. I don't. I don't. Names. I don't know why I tried. I, I really should not have tried. But anyway, um, and and De- Devin Carter for them is their best blocking receiver, and he is also their downfield guy. It's he's not as much usage. But it's it's the pop the top thing, and then the the helping the run game. Um, so he he's a valuable player to that offense, even if the the receiving numbers aren't as high as like say Thayer Thomas, who's more of like the the the, the short area guy. He he matters. It seems though like uh, Carter is going to play, and that Demi's going to play as well, um, or at least that's what Doran wants us to believe. But again, Leary almost assuredly will be out. NC State is coming off of like. NC State is in a bad spot here. They're they're coming off of a, a like a, a big win and and probably a, a win that you look back in hindsight that probably they shouldn't have had because they had to overcome all these different injuries and all this stuff. You, you sort of uh, get by Florida State, but now you have this beaten up team. You have to turn around the next week. You have to travel to Syracuse and play the Syracuse team that not only is undefeated, but they are fresh as a daisy. It's not just that they're coming off of a bye <laughs> yeah. week. The week before they played friggin' Wagner. They haven't, they haven't actually played a real game in three weeks. So, so I mean, it's the tale of two cities with this game. Both the <laughs> rosters are in totally opposite spots. And Syracuse, they want to get out and they want to run. Um, and and, and oh, they can also be physical, you know, Schrader, you know, pounding them. And um, the, NC State, their defense is going to have to run after Tucker the whole time. And Schrader now can pass, which NC State, their defense is going to have to get used to because the, the Schrader that they know, he couldn't throw. Yeah. But, but now, he, he can, <laughs> yes. now he can throw. So Syracuse can be multiple now in a way that they, they couldn't used to be. They're going to provide more of a problem for NC State's defense than they used to. And NC State's offense, the jury's out on if they're going to be able to move the ball. We, th- this backup quarterback, we'll have to see. He, he's just like this veteran kid that he, you know, like from the FCS or whatever that, that, that they brought in. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Some of these backup quarterbacks that we see are just hide the women and children bad. Um, well, but some of them are good too. Look at ASU. You know, uh, Emory Jones got hurt, and here comes the, uh, I can't remember the kid's name from ASU, but leads them to a win over Washington as two touchdown dogs. So some- it's just, you know, but more, uh, more, often than, more often oh, than not, yeah, they're when you back go, for a reason, most exactly. Time. Yeah, more often right. than not, when you go from the established starter to the person that nobody's ever heard of before, it's a precipitous drop off, and sometimes it's enough so where it rules that team out for the, their odds of sure. winning the game. 
So, I mean, like that, that certainly the way you, you, you lean in this one, it's tough not having Leary. Leary's a fringe NFL guy, like, you know, you know, probably a day three type type prospect, whatever. Losing him really hurts, especially for an offense that wasn't dynamic to begin with. So if, if they're not able to throw and the running game's not awesome. Right. And they're also the, the running back. If he can play like that, I mean, their running back room might be depreciated anyway. So like, I, you know, I, I got questions about the NC state side that for all these reasons, that's why Syracuse is favored. Um, that if, if the backup quarterback, if, if, if he shows up and he's awesome, um, then NC state certainly would have a puncher shot, but the, the odds in this one would say that with the percentages you, you would lean towards Syracuse for sure. Yeah, shout out to Thomas. So uh, shout out to Thomas, uh, the 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 uh, Syracuse Orangemen, go Orange, let's go. Um, uh, how about some games that you like, Thor? We went through the top five games. We've gone through the money games and the the early games this week. Uh, you know, it's funny because we were talking about this before uh, we hit record, and you brought up. I've only written up two games for my article so far, and you brought up one that I already wrote up in uh, the um, Cal and Colorado under 49. And, you know, my first instinct in this game was to take Cal minus the 14. But then I thought about, you know, the dead cat bounce with, uh, you know, Carl Durrell being fired. And you were calling for that uh, the entire season that Carl Durrell was going to get canned here. So uh, not a surprise to see him go. But, I mean, what do we think in this game for uh, Colorado and Cal? Because, um, neither offense has been good. Like Jade not has been good. He is like the most efficient running back in the nation. But when you look at like, you know, PFF grades, if they mean anything to you, I believe Cal is 129th in run blocking. So he is literally doing it all by himself. They have a little bit of passing at Cal, but Colorado's got nothing on offense at all. So, I mean, this game screams the under which can be a little tricky sometimes, but I trusted my gut in FIU New Mexico State a couple weeks ago, and that paid off big time. So uh, what what do you think in this game? It's 49. The over is is fairly high for these two pathetic offenses. Yeah, I I, I rarely bring up fantasy in, in, in these shows because I know people hate to hear it, but I'm going to do it for the second time today <laughs> because in, in one of those ridiculously deep C2C leagues, I took Jade Knott at the end of a draft, like in the you know, 45th round or whatever. And it's it, one, of my, one of my great picks of all time. I'm going to have that kid for the next four <laughs> years. And one of the owners in that league, every single week sends me trade offers for him and I've ignored every single one. And he's getting increasingly annoyed with me. He's like sending me messages like, Hey man, have you seen my trade offers for Jade? Not. And it's like, yeah, I have. I, <laughs> but, I saw him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm not responding to them. Uh, you are not getting Jade not. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Jade, Jade not been great. And, and Cal, Cal ran into one. Uh, Justin Wilcox, who struggled to derive offense his entire time there, Found a gem. Uh, so so yeah. so good on him. But like you said, their offensive line stinks. They don't have quarterback play. Their their pass catchers aren't very good either. So it's it's still even though they they finally found a, a good offensive player, he's a true freshman. And he's surrounded by not good offensive players, and they are playing uh, one of the worst teams in the entire FBS. Certainly the the worst Power Five team. Um, the the I for, for the side. I'm same same thing you were talking about, Bogman. I'm I'm not touching the side of this one. I think it's an objectively fair line. In fact, my system has uh, California minus fourteen point four. It is right on that Vegas line. Yeah. But but the under. I, I'm with you, man. The the total came out. I was actually surprised with how high it was. It comes out forty eight and a half. 
my system, I, I thought was much more fair. 41 and a half. That, if, if Vegas had dropped that number, uh, nobody bats an eye. I like, I, I, again, I'm surprised it was a touchdown higher than that. Colorado, they can't generate offense on, on really anybody. And the concern when, when, you know, with, you know, as far as a total handicap goes in a Colorado game is that the opponent is going to score a billion points. Cal ain't going to score a billion points. Uh, Cal's going to run the, the ball a whole bunch with Jaden not behind a, the bad offensive line. And then they're going to huddle up very, very slowly. And then they're going to meander up to the line and they're going to snap the ball with like three seconds left on the play clock every single time. Cal ranks uh, 123rd in adjusted pace. Uh, Colorado's, they're 56, so they're around average, but their offense stinks, so it doesn't really matter. Um, for, for me, this this total is too high. I, I do lean under, wouldn't touch the side. Yeah, uh, I, I love that game this week for sure. Uh, the other game that, that you uh, wanted to talk about is your Jayhawks, number yeah. 19 ranked. They're going into Oklahoma, who just did not show up for the Red River rivalry there. And um, I think Dylan Gabriel could be back here. I don't know how much it matters, though. But Oklahoma uh, currently sitting as, I believe, nine-point favorites. Is that right? Um, yeah, uh, uh, nine-point favorites right now. Um, but I took a look at the peaked at the money line here, uh, Thor, and Kansas is at plus 260 on MGM, plus 225 on DraftKings plus 260 and a color up uh, other couple spots. So I don't know. The money line might look good, especially if Gabriel doesn't play because Jalen Daniels is out, which is a big reason why Oklahoma is uh, favored in this game. Most likely out, I guess I should say, because he hasn't been officially ruled out. Like they'll never do that, but he ain't going to play. Uh, but Jason Bean, as you mentioned before, when you're talking on stages, um, a pretty good you know, uh, backup quarterback, one of the better ones in the nation. So what do you think of this game? Yeah, the I, I, I took a drink as you were talking uh, to signify metaphorically wetting my beak on that Jayhawk money line. <laughs> um, the, the, the Gabriel status is very important because uh, Davis Bevel, Oklahoma's backup stinks. Um, the, the difference between Gabriel and him, it, it's, it's like 10 points. And it's not because Gabriel's as good as Bryce Young. It's because... The backup is that bad. Um, Brent Venable should be embarrassed for for like leaving the QB two spot that bad when all, all the players were transferring all offseason. You could have signed a billion different guys that were better than that kid. Um, th that's an unforced error. That was shooting yourself in the foot, um, but they can't help it now. So so Gabriel is his status is key for Oklahoma. But like you were mentioning, like we were talking about on, on the stages, Daniels is not Jalen Daniels for Kansas is not going to play. But it's the opposite scenario for Kansas. Kansas had one of the better backup quarterbacks in the entire FBS in Jason Bean, who started the first nine games for them last year and was North Texas' starter before that. Uh, Jason Bean has started numerous games in his college career. You, you call him a two-year starter coming into this year. He has a good arm, and he's, he was a track star in high school. Um, he's one of the, by any report, one of the fastest players on the Kansas football team. The stuff that, that Leopold likes to do with all the motion and then getting the, the quarterback out on the perimeter – that's what Bean wants to do. I mean, there's a yeah. reason that that he was absolutely shredding TCU. Um, I, I'm not going to say that he was better than Daniels, but in that game, uh, Daniel did not do much in the first half. And then Bean came in and Kansas was not missing. Uh, Bean did throw one interception that second half, but uh, on almost every other drive, they scored a touchdown. I think he threw for four, four touchdowns um, and it, only in the last two quarters. Jason Bean can play. Um, I, for, for me, I, I downgrade Kansas very, very small 
um, there, the, the, you know, half a point or a point. Whereas again, with Gabriel to Bevel, it's 10 or 11, something like that. So, so keep an eye on that one. The, the other major, major point is Oklahoma's defense is an abomination. Um, a, 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 <laughs> couple, a, a couple stats for you. Um, and just crazy, almost unthinkable that a, a defense coordinated by Brent Venables could be this bad. Um, but Kansas, so I'm, you know, the com- compare and contrast between the Kansas offense and the Oklahoma defense. Kansas offense, number 26 in success rate, number 10 in ISO PPP, which is a, an explosiveness measure, and number 32 in points per scoring opportunity. Here's the, the Oklahoma defense's uh, rankings in the exact same categories. Um, so Oklahoma's defense ranks number 98th in success rate, number 51 in explosiveness against, and 101st in preventing the opponent from scoring when they're in the scoring opportunities. The Sooners also rank 125th out of 131 in tackling rate. So they can't tackle That's anyone. The ugly thing. I mean, they I know cover. that as a Texas fan for the last decade is tackling is just so enormous. You have to do it. You know, you give guys 10, 15 extra yards by missing a tackle. It's ridiculous. This this defense, it's I was going to call it Sunbelt level. The Sunbelt's good this year, and that would have been an insult <laughs> to the Sunbelt. This is it's an absolute embarrassment. Um, yes. If, if, if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play in this game, the Kansas Jayhawks are winning it outright. I'll just say that if Gabriel Ooh. plays, we'll have a game for sure. Um, but this game with, was close last year, wasn't it? Oh yeah. K- Kansas led into the fourth quarter against. This is the one where like Caleb Williams had to Caleb rip Williams it out game. of the running back's hand and yes. to get that first down. That was, that was a crazy a, game. Yeah. Kansas, Kansas controlled that. I mean, throughout until, until the fourth quarter. And then, yeah, they, they came back and won. that game is hilarious. was like, uh, it was in Lawrence and, and Oklahoma was like 38 point favor or something. And, yeah. and this one is, is in Norman and it's 30 points less or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, this line, it's too high. I mean, like it's even despite the, the 30 point you know, shift or whatever, Kansas is, like I said, absolutely legitimate opponent. Absolutely could have beaten TCU last week, despite losing their starting quarterback. Um, I'm still upset about it. Um, at la- very last drive, uh, two very obvious penalties happened on the, the last two plays uh, that were not called. Uh, one of them was the uh, horse collar thing on the third down. And then the, the more egregious one, a very clear pass interference on fourth down that the, the rest just didn't throw a flag. But anyway, either way, uh, Kansas <laughs> played with TCU the yes. entire time. It was, you know, a, a, a coin flip type game. And TCU is, I, I mean, we'll find out by the end of the year, they're either the best team in the Big 12 or the second best team in the Big 12. I think we'll figure that out. Uh, maybe we'll have to wait until the Big 12 title game. But them in Texas, um, I, I think they're going to have a tango. I'm sorry to discount Oklahoma State, but uh, I, I, for, for me, those are the two teams. But this Oklahoma team, they can't defend anyone. They can't tackle against anyone. The only way they can derive offense is when Dylan Gabriel is 100% healthy and they're able to hit the, the downfield shots. But I, I will say, even though Kansas is secondary – it's not elite for sure. Um, and don't take what I'm about to say as that. They are <laughs> they are opportunistic, though. Um, Kansas' uh, defensive backs can flip the field. Um, they're, I mean, you can think of them essentially as like a sort of a homeless man's version of the USC thing where, where they can, you know, they, they, they are able to get the interceptions and flip it a little bit. Um, uh, Oklahoma needs D- Dylan Gabriel in this game. We don't know if he's he's going to play yet. It's, it's sounding more optimistic on that side. But again, either way, I'm taking the nine points, and if Gabriel's not playing, 
Uh, it's rock chalk outright for sure. Uh, it's going to be a fun week. Another fun week of college football. Good luck in all your bets. You can follow me on Twitter at Bogman Sports. You'll follow Thor at Thor KU. Thor, what is the schedule for this week? Remind everyone where they can find all your work. Obviously, you can go to Twitter to find all of it. But what do you got coming up here? I got my uh, uh, 10 best bets coming up on betting pros. What would be when you guys hear this? Maybe today on Thursday. Um, yep. and, and then on um, Saturday, I have my 90-minute uh, uh, live show with Mike Farrell where people can come and watch live and then also ask questions. M- Mike and I answer any questions you have about the betting card. And then we handicap as many games as as we can get you know get through or whatever and also give out our favorite props you know as well as the sides and the totals obviously um and then on the the day after um you know every every college football saturday on sunday me and thomas viola sit down after the lines have dropped the new lines for the, the coming week go through those lines I, i've run my numbers sunday morning comparing my lines against the vegas lines are there any games that you should bet early are there any injuries that are affecting the lines um just sort of going through the card in that way if there's any angles early on in the week so check that out as well check them out and good luck in your bets week seven we will see you guys next week take it easy everybody